Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of From Sunday to Sabbath. My name is Mike Scan. I'm the senior pastor of Epic Life Church in Terrell, Texas. We were once a Sunday church, but now we meet on the Sabbath. Join us as we talk about everything Torah and how you can discover the life that you were created with for real love, real people, real purpose. Discover the epic life. Uh, discover, yeah, discover that life. Amen. A little different today. I got something in my beard there. There we go. Different today. Uh, I always say that. I, I don't know why I always say that because it's really not different. Um, but I've got a new topic. I've actually got three episodes coming up that are going to be kind of running together uh, like these. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hey, don't forget to, before we get started, uh, don't forget to like this video or podcast and share it. Share it with your friends, your family, all those good people. And let's talk about this stuff. You know, sometimes I, I just write stuff, I think, maybe to cause a debate, maybe not. Um but uh, maybe you're listening to this driving down in your car. Maybe you're watching it. Um, I don't know why people watch these things. They, I watch them. I listen to them. I've got several that I listen to that I love to listen to. And if you ever want my opinion, ask me. I am thinking about doing some live uh, versions of this. And so if you want to see me do that, let me know. Um, and then I'm actually considering inviting some guests. And so I got a few people that I would like to bring on as our podcast is beginning to grow um i think i talked i looked it was looking at the other day and i think we're in eight different um nations two different uh, three different continents and like eight nations eight different countries um if you want to say it like that all over the united states we're starting to get out um and i'm really excited about this because i really my hope in you know from sunday sabbath is just to kind of talk about you know, how we got here. And I think some of the pitfalls that we all need to be aware of, and there are a lot of. So today's topic is I want to talk about, there's really, you can use two titles for this. Like uh, I, I thought about two different ones. Um, the one I have written down is truth versus tradition. And uh, I think a better way to look at it is, you know, truth versus or tradition, pardon me, tradition versus Torah. So what is what there, you know, in the, um, you can call it the messianic movement, uh, the movement, you can call it Torah, whatever you, whatever you call this, um, there are a lot of different names you can use. Um, but the I think one of the biggest pitfalls that I am noticing, and I feel like we need to address it, um, and that is all of the traditions. It's interesting because this is exactly what Paul dealt with. This is exactly what Yeshua dealt with because during those times, people took the their, their traditions um, and uplifted them above God's commandments. And the tradition, it's not that, and I want to make sure I say this, that Traditions aren't necessarily bad, okay? As long as those traditions don't lead you away from Messiah, right? 
And if you begin to uphold the tradition over your relationship with Yeshua, you have a problem, okay? Because we don't want that, right? So this is what I want to talk about. I don't know that I'm going to talk about all the traditions. There are a polythra of them. That's my word for the day, polythra. Um, but I want to talk about avoiding getting trapped by the traditions. Um, I had someone even ask me one time uh, during after our, our Sabbath service here uh, in at Epic Life. And they asked me, like, why don't you like we do? So our basic structure for our church is um, we come in, we blow the shofars. We um, have a one of our speakers. We have about four or five um, um, men that come in and speak on the Parsha, the, the Torah portion. And just kind of give their insights of what they discovered through that. Um, and I use that primarily as a developer to help uh, men that I see that have a potential of leadership or a potential to be a speaker to help them develop that. Um, doesn't mean that they'll always become a leader and it doesn't mean that they'll always become a speaker, but it is something that I can use to kind of, you know, evaluate them and how they study the word and how they read the Torah. And it's just a really good uh, platform for men in our church. So after the Torah portion, we go into worship. We worship probably, you know, our worship leader uh, is amazing. He, uh, we do about six, uh, five or six songs, I think. And then, uh, and with that, you know, there's dancing that happens in our community, flags and, and that, that such. And then after that, I come up or myself or one of the elders, one of the pastors will come up and, and deliver kind of the, the, the main message. And so our, our services last typically about two hours. Now, why do I tell you all this? Because there are a lot of things that we do within the tradition. Well, let me finish. So after we do the message, after I preach, uh, we have about uh, probably about five to 10 minutes of just prayer time. And, um, um, it may be someone leading. We'll take a couple lead pastors or elders and they'll go in the back corners. And if anybody needs prayer, then they're invited to, uh, go to them. And if they just want to spend time in prayer at their seat, they're more than welcome to do that. Um, just kind of, you know, letting the Holy spirit minister to them and them thinking about, um, you know, the word, the message and how it applies to them and maybe what the Lord may be speaking to them about that. Once that's done, we invite our children in and we do the, we do the hoopah. We have a big hoopah and, and all of our children come up underneath the hoopah. And I usually re recite a blessing over them. I pray over them and then recite a blessing. And then they go sit down with their parents. Um, and uh, after they do that, we invite, we do the, the Arianic blessing um, in English and Hebrew. And then I do the Oneg blessing. And so as you can see, just simply by what I'm telling you about our services, there's a lot of tradition in it. So the question then would become, which part of what we do in our service is like, like commanded? Which part? And really, technically, the only part that's actually commanded is the reading of God's word, the Torah, the, you know, whether it's the Torah portion or whether it's the message. Everything that you do in church today and every church you go to has its own tradition and they will fight tooth and nail for it. Matter of fact, I used to belong to a church and they may be listening and they were a cool church. They meant well. I mean, they totally did. Um, the problem and, and, and they would say, 
uh, one of the things they would say is no perfect people, right? And we're not going to be like every other church. And the problem with that is they guarded that so much that they became, you know, that's what they became. Like we're not going to, they became that. They protected not being perfect or we're going to be you know, our rock music or our whatever, that they became that. And, and it really isn't about discipleship anymore. You know, we use these clever little sayings inside our church like ours is we have that we just said it in the announcement you know in the intro you know no or not no perfect people um you know come and discover the life you're created to live the epic life and so that's kind of our you know our theme that you know it's part of our mission our vision is to help people to discover this life this life that we're living and live this epic life you know what this life is about what god called not not in this world type life, but in the life we were created to live. And that's going to be not only here, but in the kingdom to come. So there's this life. And so that's kind of our saying. And and they'll say, you know, no perfect people. That's their saying. That becomes a tradition. And then people will talk about religion. Like you can't be religious. You know, we, we're anti-religion, but you're not because your very faith is by definition a religion. And so whether you're non-denominational, Baptist, Pentecostal, Prosper, uh, Presbyterian, you know, fill in the blank, that is a tradition. And what happens is when we become, we come into into God's word, a couple of things begin to happen. Number one, right, is we begin to look at scripture through our traditions or where we're, we're confronted by God's Torah. This is what happened in Jesus's day. We're going to read scripture here in a minute. What happened is that they held upheld the tradition over the commandments of God. So I want to talk about some of this. So, you know, whether you, you know, when, when, when you begin to venture into Torah and you begin to kind of live this life that you begin to discover this stuff and it's just, it's, it's so freeing. It's so relieving because it gives you the why, Right. Uh, you know, why did Yeshua die? He died to restore us back into a right relationship with the Father, with Yahweh. And so when you look at that and you go, wow, that's pretty powerful. And here's the thing that everybody says, well, now how do I live? That's where the Torah becomes so amazing because it's telling you how we are to live. And I'm going to do another talk. I won't do it today. I will try not to do it today, but a talk about the difference between justification and sanctification. I think that's where a lot of Christians get confused when you start talking to them and tell you, you know, hey, we follow the Torah. And they'll say something, well, we're free from the law. We're free from the law. We're free from the law. That's what they would say. But I think there's a misunderstanding. And I think the misunderstanding falls into the idea of justification for sanctification. But that's not today. This is dealing with, you know, avoiding getting trapped in tradition. So when I preach also, when I, and matter of fact, all of our ordained pastors do this, we wear a tallit. We wear a tallit around our shoulders. And just, it, it's not commanded that we have to do this, right? Are you commanded to wear tzitzit? Yes, that's a commandment. Um, are you commanded to wear a tallit? No. The tallit has tzitzit on it. And so sometimes people use that to have the, the fringes on them. But the tallit itself is not commanded. A, a, a kupa or hupa, right? A kupa uh, that you wear on top of your head. All tradition, right? So there's so many things you've got to wrestle with and decide what's tradition and what's truth. Again, tr there's nothing wrong with the traditions as long as those traditions aren't leading you away from truth, which is Messiah. 
So whether you should or shouldn't wear a tallit, whether you should or shouldn't wear a kippah, uh, the lighting of candles. My wife and I on Shabbat evening, we light candles. Maybe you do that same. Uh, some of you just sit down and have dinner. Some of you don't do anything different on Friday night as you bring in the Shabbat. My wife and I have decided for our tradition that we want to make it very, very special. We want it to mean something and make it different than the rest of the week. It's a it's a Shabbat. It's God's holy day. And so we try to make it make it important. But if you go into an Orthodox believer's home, it's going to look completely different and they'll do the same rituals and they'll do things that are very traditional. It doesn't mean those things are wrong, but is it leading them to Messiah? Now, all of these, you know, like we even recite the Shema, right? So we do the Shema uh, in our service, the Shema, you know, Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. And then we run through Deuteronomy, basically Deuteronomy chapter 5, and um, we read some verses uh, that talk about the Shema, right? We, we, or we say these things. Nothing wrong with those. And it, they're not salvational. I think that's what it comes down to. And that's why this, this podcast exists, the Sunday to Sabbath, is to help people kind of work through this stuff. It isn't, you know, I don't, and here's the other thing. I don't have all the answers as, as I'm still learning, um, still learning what it means to, to walk in this, this world. And I think a lot of the traditions are this. Most of the traditions that are found within a Torah movement or the community is simply to help us connect on a deeper level with our Jewish brothers and sisters. That's it. And, and that's really what these traditions are for. I wear a tallit for that reason. I wear a kippah um, when I'm studying. We do the shema. Uh, we, we don't break the bread when we do the oneg blessing, right? There's no commandment that we're supposed to do an oneg blessing. Uh, some of you are, that are in different countries, maybe, maybe you're going, what is an oneg? Well, an oneg it, uh, means to delight. It's, it's oneg Shabbat. And so it's delighting in the Shabbat. One of the things we do is after all of our worship and all of our, um, you know, our service, then we stay and we pull out tables and we eat and we fellowship and, and that can run till about four or five o'clock. Um, there's no commandment to do that. We do it because we want to build community within our community. And it is absolutely paramount because really, if you're listening, that's probably one of the number one desires that people have. And that is the desire to be in community. And we're discovering here in Texas, you can't do this alone. And people are tired of doing it alone. They're tired of meeting in their homes with two or three families, maybe, who may or may not show up. Um, and not building authentic relationships. Yeah, you have your couple of groups and you bounce from house to house, but they're, that's not the church. That's not the church. And these two families, they're not really serving in their gifting, in their call. They're not preaching. They're not evangelizing. They're not doing um, you know, these things. And so it really just becomes where there's something missing. And it is. Now, it's not to say that meeting in your home is wrong. But meeting in your home only and not gathering outside with the community, that's a problem because that goes against what Torah says. It's a holy convocation. It means to be called out as an assembly. So you're to assemble yourself together in a place that's been selected as a gathering of, of believers. 
And so when you're at home, it's really hard to do that. And I think some tour people have, have used that as an excuse to not gather because, well, they went to a church and the church didn't accept them. So they started gathering their home. But if you have an opportunity to gather with a larger community, a church, a ecclesia, you should do it. And don't use the excuse, well, you know, we, we don't have to. And that's a that's such – I'm getting on a soapbox here because there's a there's another tradition that's, that's happening. And that's where people are falling away from the church because the church has made a lot of errors. And so they're falling away from church, but they're not coming back. And they need to come back. The church is vital. And one of the lies of the enemy is to isolate believers and keep them at home, keep them where they think it's safe. But the problem is that's not the body of Messiah. When you look at the book of Acts and you read the book of Acts, you find very clearly they did not just meet in homes. When you read the book of Acts, they met in homes for fellowship. That's what we call the Oneg, right? But they met in the temple. Now, we don't have a temple. Well, Pastor Mike, the temple's been destroyed back in 70 AD. That's exactly right. However, we are still commanded to gather. Paul said it this way. As you see the day approach, what day? The day of Messiah coming. Do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together. We are to gather together. Families and families and families gathering. So don't neglect that. That can be a bad tradition. Well, again, leading us away from the truth. And here's what we're discovering as pastors in this movement is there are a lot of bad doctrine. There are a lot of bad traditions that have been brought in. Why? Because there are there are sheep without a shepherd. They're meeting in their home. They're watching YouTube. They're, you know, nothing. Obviously, you're watching this on YouTube. Some of you are. But we get our doctrine from that. And we, we pop up something that sounds really good and, you know, new to Torah and all these other different little uh, things. And we're not studying the scripture for ourselves. And there's no spiritual authority. And you've got people that, oh, you don't need the church. You get, stay out of church. We decided a long time ago to get away from the church. Yeah, I get it, man. The church has made a lot of mistakes, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's old Southern saying, you know, down here. You, you know, you don't throw everything out because of you, you get you get it and you fix it. And that's what we've tried to do from at Epic Life. That's why we're called from Sunday to Sabbath on this podcast, because we're not that we're perfect and we found all the right answers, but we have decided not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but to create a community that is safe, that's biblical, that has eldership, that have deacons, that has healthy community, that gathers, and that's not so bent out on the, uh, the tradition as we are more bent on learning the Father's Torah and learning his instructions. So what are these things? So let's look at Matthew, uh, Mark. I want to talk about what the Bible teaches us on these traditions and how we can apply them or um, uh, uh, what, it, what, it, what the scripture does and doesn't say about these things. So I want to look at Mark chapter seven, verses one through 13. Let's take a look at this. I'm going to be reading it. Uh, the, this is, I'm reading out the NAS uh, B, the uh, uh, new American standard Bible says that the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him, and when they had come to Jerusalem and had seen, watch, had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands. In other words, they did not wash their hands. Uh, That is unwashed. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. 
Notice what it said. Thus observing the traditions of the elders, verse 4. And when they came from the marketplace, they uh, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. Matter of fact, if you go into the Wailing Wall, there is a fountain there that has silver cups that you go and you wash your hands before approaching the Wailing Wall. Why? Is that commanded? No. It's tradition. It's the tradition of the fathers. Now watch. Let's, let's see what it says. Verse 5, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Messiah, why do your disciples not walk according to, watch, the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? Right? So they're calling them out. Why don't they wash their hands before they eat? Why are they not doing this? Why are they not, you know, uh, honoring the traditions of the fathers, the traditions there? And, you know, we see it in the church today. You know, we had somebody ask me, uh, this is what I was getting at originally. They said, why don't you guys break bread when you do the Oneg blessing? I said, because it's tradition. Yeah, but a lot of other churches do that. Great for them. That's not who we are. Why don't you all play all the Jewish style music? I've had that asked. I said, that's tradition. You got to be careful. Even in Christianity, in your normal Sunday church, they have traditions that they will protect over doctrine. Where tradition and scripture meet, tradition has to go. I want to say that again. Where tradition and scripture meet, tradition has to go. Continuing on, this is Messiah's response. And he said to them, he's going to rebuke them. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite in the Greek literally means an actor. A hypocrite during the Roman times was someone who worried, who carried a stick on a, a mask. There was a mask and a little stick, and he'd walk around with it, right? And that was considered a hypocrite, right? It was an actor. And so literally he says to them, you're an actor. As is written, he's going to quote Isaiah, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You need to hear that again. This is Jesus' rebuke, quoting the book of Isaiah. He said, but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. This is the issue that we find in some Torah movements, in some Torah teachers, in um, a lot of the Messianic movement. There is a lot of this. Uh, definitely a lot in the Orthodox Judaism, um, and definitely in the Christian church. It's everywhere. It's a cancer. And we protect our tradition over doctrine. Verse 8 goes on, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. See what we're talking about? Jesus tells them, look, you're holding, you'd rather break the commandments of God rather than break the traditions of men. Verse 9, he was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep the tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. Now Jesus is going to give an example of what they're doing. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. 
So with the very first promise within the Ten Commandments uh, that has a the very first commandment that has a promise in it is to honor your father and mother, for in so you will have long life on this earth. Now watch what the Pharisees do, though. Jesus calls them out. But you say, if a man says to his father, mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin, that is to say, given to God. In other words, whatever, instead of helping mom and dad and honoring them, they take it and give it to God and say, well, we're honoring God. And God said, wait a minute, you're supposed to honor your mother and father. Verse 12, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God. So the people would come and they'd have this treasure or they'd have finance or they'd have money or they have a whatever. And rather than them go and help their mother and father who may not be doing very well, these Pharisees and these teachers say, well, give it to God. That belongs to God. And they would thank themselves to do that. Why? Because they wanted it. So Jesus rebuking them. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as this. So when we look at these traditions, right, we we come across a word in the Greek which is the the precepts of God, uh, or the or the the what word I'm looking invalidating the word of God. The the word tradition comes from this word paradosis. Uh, it's a precept, especially a Jewish tradition or traditionary law, predosis. So that's what they were doing. They were creating their own predosis. Now this is probably one of the best pictures in Scripture about what's important, what is not. Yeshua points it out. There's another illustration of it, too, that we can find. We see that when, uh, I may even have that verse. Do I have that verse in here? I'm going to look here before. Let me look over my notes real quick, guys. But there's another story. Yeah, it's not, I don't have it in here, so I'm going to go ahead and just tell you about it. I believe it's in the book of Mark. Um, I can look it up here. Uh, But it's where the, you know, we get this one, and then you have where, the the disciples are walking through let me let me actually look this up give me a second while i talk to you i want to look this up because i think it's important that we have it um and that is the verse on um let me see if i can find it Let me see here. It is, I believe it's Mark. Let's see here. Is that Matthew 15? Yeah, it's still Matthew 15 right there. That's where we're at right now. Anyhow, I believe it's in the book of Mark, and it's talking about the disciples were walking through the field and they were picking, they were picking the grain, the wheat grain off. Uh, the heads of the grain and they were eating while they were walking through. And so again, the Pharisees kind of try to rebuke Jesus and say, Hey, look, don't you care that they're breaking the traditions they're eating or they're, they thought they were breaking the Sabbath. Right. And Yeshua just basically turns them and says, but you break the commandments of God. Same thing. Right. So the Pharisees and the scribes and the leaders were worried about them breaking tradition and Jesus had turned them. And that's the whole reason why do you understand? This is the reason why Jesus came. This is why Matthew um, 7, uh, is it Matthew 17? 
verse, you know, uh, Matthew 7, verse 5, or whatever it was, uh, you know, uh, 17 for, through 23, right? Um, why he says what he said, or Matthew 5, uh, 17 through 23. That's why he said what he said. Do not think that I came to abolish the Torah, for I did not come to abolish, but I came to fulfill, to bring to full expression, right? To show you what it looks like, what the real Torah means. Because tradition had come out, and tradition was what everybody was doing. They weren't obeying God's commandments. And the Pharisees and these religious leaders had perverted what it meant to follow God so much so that Jesus had to come and die. And that's exactly why he came. It's exactly what Paul deals with in the book of Galatians when we see him going back into Galatia, writing the letters because him and Barnabas had gone into Galatia, preached the gospel, people were getting saved. And what happened? Men were coming behind them, telling them, well, you got to be circumcised in the flesh if you're really going to be in. Tradition. Jesus came and broke the traditions, guys. Let's not get bound up again by these things. Are any of these things wrong? No, is, it, is it wrong? Let me ask you this. Is it wrong to wash your hands before you eat? Absolutely not. But does that make you spiritually unclean? Absolutely not. It makes you gross. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, here we go. So when one comes to Torah, they're going to begin to see two Torahs. This is the problem that we have even today. The written Torah and the oral Torah. The oral Torah, which was passed down from Moses to the rabbis, and then the written Torah, uh, which was given to us by God, right? And I want to emphasize something here. There's nothing wrong with some of these traditions. I've got to say that again. I know I've said it three or four times already, but I'm going to probably say it even more. For instance, you know, one of the traditions was you had to pray three times a day. I still think you should do that. Is that a commandment? Are we commanded? No, it says pray without ceasing, right? So if you pray three times a day, does that make you religious? No. Makes you pretty faithful. But does if you don't pray three times a day, so you got a guy over here who prays three times a day and you got a guy over here who doesn't, does that make them un, unfaithful? No. Not commanded. We're told to pray without ceasing. This, this law was created with good intentions, but when we cross the line to think that somehow we are more saved or more righteous than someone else because they pray three times a day or because they wear a tallit or because they wear a kippah or because they break bread and do the Shema and, and they're more spiritual, we have a problem, right? So that's what, and if you're new into Torah, this is the things that you need to guard against, some of these things, right? So we understand, we understand that most of these traditions, most of the traditions are not, and I've used this word before, I want to use it again, are not halakha. They're not commandments. Halakha like, kind of means the way, the way one should walk or live their life. Like as Christians, there are halakha. You may not admit it because you don't want to think you're Jewish, which it's weird because you follow a Jewish rabbi, you read a Jewish book, right? But you're not Jewish. Halakha is often translated as Jewish law, uh, although a more literal translation of it might be the way to behave or the way of walking. The word is derived from the root, which means to behave, also uh, means to go or to walk. So we all have a halakha, right? Uh, Jesus sat down and gave halakha when he, when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. 
He was teaching us the way as believers and followers of him that we are to live our life. This is how if a man hits you on one side, offer him up the other. If one takes your coat, offer him your shirt. If uh, if a man asks you to walk a mile, go too. This is halakha. This is the way we are supposed to walk. If, a, uh, you know, bless your enemies. Do not curse them. Like Right? This is halakha. So we have halakha. We have things that we're commanded to do to walk as followers of Messiah. And as followers of Yeshua, there is halakha, a way that we should walk as believers. This is the missing piece when it comes to Christians knowing something is missing in their Christian faith. I just heard a speaker say the other day, when you commit to Jesus and you follow Jesus with all your heart, you're going to face persecution. But here's the problem. He never tells you what that looks like. They can't tell you what you look. If you take the Torah away, you cannot show someone how to walk as Christ. Because Christ followed the Torah. And this is one of the other mis- mis- problems when people start teaching against it. So we try to improvise, right? So as Christians, we're told we're to have a new behavior, but no one really knows what that means. So we try to improvise, right? How do we do that? By telling the listeners to just love God. But what does that mean or even look like? This is where our Torah comes in. The Torah is the center of, af- after you come to know Messiah, the Torah should be the center of your life. And, 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 and I think there may be some misguiding because we think Torah simply means law. And it doesn't just mean law. It, it means God's instructions, right? <clears throat> when we understand that God has instructions for us to live by, that changes everything. And we are to follow those instructions. We're to follow his teachings so that we can live out the life we were created to live. Amen. We don't have to create our, our our own halakha. And some churches are trying to. They're trying to avoid God's commandments and God's Torah so they don't look religious. So much so, they're creating their own halakha. They're creating their own way of walking. You can go to the party and drink, but God loves you. Do whatever you want to do. Go get tattoos and all that stuff. God loves you. He knows your heart. And so most Christians don't know what God's word really says. They don't know halakha. And they think, well, I'm just going to create my own traditions. And they do. They do. They create their own stuff. But let me tell you something. You're, you're just as wrong as the Pharisees upholding their traditions and you upholding your traditions. Right. And so let's just go and let's just do what God told us to do. It's a whole lot easier. The Bible says we must study to show ourselves approved so that we will know what tradition is versus the Torah. Right. You need to know which is which. And I can tell you this is what the Bible says, but until you own it and it becomes yours, you're not going to really learn it. You're not going to really understand it. There are teachers out there that will trap their followers in traditions taught by the rabbis, but not taught in the Torah or the Brit Hadashah, a New Testament, namely Yeshua, right? This is exactly what Yeshua was up against, and this is exactly what Paul was up against. He was up against tradition versus Torah. He had to come and demonstrate to us how to live, right? How to walk this thing out, how to live out in obedience to Yahweh. That's the whole understanding of this thing. And I think that's where sometimes people miss it. This is exactly what it means when he spoke in Matthew 5, 17, that he did not come to destroy. I already quoted this, but let's go ahead and read it. Matthew 5, 17, beginning in verse 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. 
For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished, right? Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people, isn't it interesting? A lot of people don't follow through with this, you know, hey, Jesus came to abolish the law, but they don't read the whole thing. Verse 20, for I say unto you, uh, now this is really important, right? For I say unto you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice also there's a passage in scripture that that J Jesus said, you know, that the Pharisees sit at, on the seat of Moses. And that was in the temple for teaching. And he said, he said, do as they teach you, but don't do as they do, right? So the teachings of the Pharisees, some of this halakha even, and the commandments, there's nothing wrong with them. But that doesn't make you righteous. And see, what's it saying? How do how does our righteousness, how can our righteousness supersede that of the Pharisees? Well, they had a lot of tradition, but what they missed was, was Messiah. So when you take some of the traditions and you add it with Messiah, it's really cool. They're really good stuff. But we don't uphold it as law, as halakha, above that of Yeshua. So when we think of this word abolish, it, it, it means to make replete, to cram up, level up, to furnish, to diffuse, satisfy, execute, finish. Um, it means to complete, to fill or fulfill, be make, full, uh, um, fully preach, perfect, supply. So this is what Yeshua did, right? In other words, it, 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 brings, it brings the Torah to full expression. That's what Jesus did. What was it that Yeshua was doing with the Torah? He wasn't doing away with it, but rather he was satisfying it. Remember, he comes in, he's perfect. What needed to be satisfied with the law? The punishment. Someone had to die. Jesus did. You didn't. I don't. If we believe in Messiah and we've repented of sin. Amen. Um, it goes on to say, not doing away with it, but rather satisfying it. What was needed to satisfy Torah? Just put this at a sacrifice. Yeshua was telling us here that he he was, uh, that a sacrifice was needed for the breaking of the Torah. That's what he's telling them. This may have been the reason for such hostility from the scribes and teachers and why they were angry with him. They would lose their status with the people because of their traditions that they prided themselves. I mean, they even, I mean, we were commanded to wear tzitzit, right? If you didn't know that, we are. As followers of Christ, we're to wear tzitzit. But the Pharisees and the scribes, what they do, they they made these really long uh, tzitzit so that everybody could see them and think, oh my gosh, these guys are so righteous. They're so much better than we are. But you are commanded to do it. You are to wear them. See, Yeshua came not just for our salvation, but to get us back on track with Yahweh and show us how to live for Yahweh. He paid the penalty. So now the dark cloud of condemnation and death is, doesn't overshadow us anymore for breaking the Torah. That's not a license to sin. It's not a license to continue to miss the mark, right? Miss and, and break Torah. So here's the big question then, right? If Yeshua died for all of this stuff, he came and showed us our traditions wrong. Let me hit this real quick and then we'll wrap this up. Our traditions wrong. I don't believe that they are. Traditions are wrong if 
they contain any of the following. So let's talk about this. Here's I've got about three things. You may have even a couple on yourself. You do list them down in the bottom in, in our con- comments. If the tradition is given more importance than scripture, dun, 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 right? So if your tradition has more importance than scripture, the tradition is wrong. Got to get rid of the tradition. If it leads you away from Messiah, this is one of the things we see that happen in the Torah movement. And I think I've said this before. I may have even said it on my last podcast. That if you are, if, if a lot of people start out over here, like think of it as a pendulum, right? Left to right. And if you're on the left side, it's all grace. And on the right side is all Torah, all law. And a lot of people, man, start out over here on this grace side. And they, they find Jesus, right? And they realize that their sins are forgiven. And they're like, praise God. They go to church and they hear this powerful message or an inspirational message or they hear a song and it touches them. And they, they vow, man, I am going to change my life, man. I'm going to do things differently. And so they get this grace and God's unmerited favor. God has forgiven you. God loves you. And Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Just believe in him and you'll be safe. So a lot of people make their entryway that way right there. Most of us have done that, right? And then they swing and they, something happens and they begin to discover Torah, right? Some do, some don't. And on this Torah side, they're like, wow, this is awesome. Look at all of this stuff. Look at the traditions. Look at, look at the history of Torah. And they begin to adopt Torah. And what happens is some people stay over way over to the right on this, on this Torah and this tradition and all the Jewish stuff of it that happened. And they never come back. What needs to happen is when you pendulum swing, yes, you're discovered Torah. You have to have grace. And then from grace, you discover Torah, God's instructions and teachings. And then you're supposed to swing back and come dead center. You have grace and you have Torah. They are not at odds with one another, but they work together, right? We need God's grace given to us through Yeshua. We need it. We needed to be restored back to the Father. How? By sacrifice. The Lamb of God, Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the sacrifice. But we also need Torah. Because Torah teaches us how to live for Him. Teaches us, it tells us what pleases our Father. It's not about religion. Right? This is about relationship. We'll talk more about that in my next episode on justification and sanctification. The last thing that I have down here is if it, if it becomes a point of measurement for one's salvation and one's maturity in the faith. So we get rid of tradition. If wearing a tallit, being able to speak Hebrew, um, wearing your long zit zit, wearing, you know, going to a, any of that, if any of that becomes a measurement, right? For your spiritual maturity, then it's wrong. And the tradition has to go. Our measure of maturity is found within Scripture. Number one, Jesus said, if anyone to be great among you, serve, right? We have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, self-control, kindness, gentleness, and I'm sure I missed one, right? So you have all of these. These are signs of maturity in the faith. Loving one another. By this, all men will know that you are my 
koanim, you are my disciples if you love one another, right? So we have things in Scripture that tells us what spiritual maturity look like. None of them have to do with tradition. All right. Now, I'm sure that there are others that you may want to add. The bottom line is that they are, they, they are, it's not that they are all wrong, but they're wrong if they're not drawing you and I, they're not drawing us closer in a relationship with Messiah or with Yahweh. And in my limited time in the Messianic movement, I have seen many so-called followers tend to put on a, a sense of almost arrogance when it comes to the traditions and almost making the same mistake as the scribes and the Pharisees made in the days of Yeshua and of Paul. Now, I'll say yes when those traditions help you as an individual draw closer to Messiah. So if you have traditions, if you do certain things, maybe one of your traditions is you have to wake up at 4 a.m. Your tradition is waking up at 4 a.m. You don't have to leave the house till 5, but you wake up at 4 so you can pray and spend time in the Torah and God's word and his instructions. And that's a tradition that's drawing you closer, right? You may wear a prayer shawl just simply to connect closer to Jesus because he wore one. You may use it in your prayer and place it over your head and pray in it, right? Now, you don't care if people do or don't do that, but you do it so that you can draw closer to your, your Savior. Nothing wrong with that. Right? Nothing wrong with that. You may recite the Shema just to feel, to make a vow for yourself, right? That you're like the word Shema meaning listen with the intent to obey. So you read and you recite the Shema because it reminds you every day of who you are and what your responsibility is. The same thing with our Zitzit, right? We wear our Zitzit so that we can look at them. This is what the book of Numbers said, Numbers 15, where we can look at them and remind ourselves of God's commandments right? So there are nothing wrong with those traditions if they're drawing you closer to be with Messiah and not so that you can just be Jewish or uh, feel like a sense of belonging. Sometimes people do that as well. They, they wear a kippah just to feel closer to the Jewish brothers and sisters. They, 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 they speak more of the Jewish tradition for that reason, right? So they have a better understanding of God's word. Nothing wrong with those things, guys. Those things should not be what the center is all about, though. So it's important that whatever tradition that draws you to the Messiah is to understand also where it came from and why. What's behind it? Many of the so-called elements we tend to gravitate towards in the Messianic church come from the Jewish people, which means they come from the rabbis. And many bring those into their lives to feel closer to the roots of their faith and the Jewish people. And there's absolutely, again, nothing wrong with that, so long as you are not placing those same traditions as halakha on other people, or as Messiah said, yokes upon the people which they themselves could not even carry, right? Notice in our key verse in Mark 7, 1 through 13, the Messiah does not, nor in any place in Scripture, say that the tradition is bad or wrong. He simply says that we're not supposed to uphold it above God's commandments. Paul even said this about some of the traditions in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 through 15. What's he say? Verse 13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold. Watch what he says. Hold to the traditions which you were taught, 
whether by word or my mouth or by letter from us. So Paul even taught some traditions, right? But he said, you know, it's all about Jesus and hold firm to some of those traditions because some of those traditions lead us closer to Christ. Passover, some of the, the celebrations, all the things, there are things that we do within Passover that are traditional, but we hold on to them because of what they signify, what they, what they represent. And that's what Paul is saying here. I want us to know that Paul did not speak against the traditions, nor did our Messiah, only that we're not to uphold those things above the commandments of Yahweh. And in our passage above, Paul makes it a point to remind the believers in Thessalonica to stand firm in the traditions that they were taught. And I want to remind you, compare everything to Scripture. Do not be caught up in following the traditions that you miss what is important, and that is as a saving relationship with Yeshua. Repentance of sin and the grace of Yahweh gave us, gave unto us so that we may be restored back to him. Super important, isn't it? So there's nothing wrong with tradition. So, hey, if you've made it this far in the comments, talk to me about some of your traditions. What are some of the things that you do that are not necessarily biblical that you do to help you Maybe draw closer to Yahweh. What is it? Let us know. Write it down in the comments. Tell me what you thought about this. Let us know. My hope for you is that you experience the epic life that's found only in a relationship with Yeshua, Jesus. It's the only thing that matters. Be careful of your traditions. Enjoy your tradition. I have family traditions all the time. Like we we celebrate Thanksgiving, and, and I heard a couple Christians say, you know, and uh, some followers you know, say, well, that's pagan. No, it's not. It's not paganism. It started, it started a long time. It has no, nothing to do with, with paganism. Okay. I know we think it is, but it doesn't. Um, you know, we all have our thing, right. That we do. And so just be careful, uh, guard, guard your heart, uh, guard your life so that you can live out the life that you were created for and follow after Messiah Yeshua, who is the author and the finish of our faith, man. Don't give up on who he is and what he has for your life. He is what matters. Discovering Him leads you into the life you're created. It helps you live out the epic life. I hope you'll join us again next time as we're going to talk about our next episode. We're going to talk about sanctification and justification and what that looks like. I love you. It's Pastor Mike. This has been another uh, episode of From Sunday to Sabbath. We'll see you next time.